Arsenal Football Club, the pride of London, the heartbeat of the city and the capital's most successful club by quite some distance. I've been a regular fixture at the Emirates ever since it opened back in July 2006, but no matter how many times I walk underneath the Hornsey Road rail bridge, up the stairs towards the ground and make my way to my seat in Block 6, the feeling of excitement, the buzz and my enthusiasm remain unchanged. Over the years I've had the pleasure of watching Thierry Henry, Dennis Burkamp, Tony Adams and many more. My love affair and bond with this magnificent club continues to grow stronger and I wouldn't change it for the world. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Harry Simeu, a published author, broadcaster and freelance football writer, but above all, I'm a gooner. Back in January 2018, I decided to put my experience to good use and created the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Since the show's launch, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Ray Parler, Kevin Campbell, Frank McClintock, Tom Watt, Robbie Lyle and Sky Sports commentator Martin Tyler. I've written a book titled The Chronicles of Aguna 2017-18, telling the story of Arsenal's final season in charge, had it published and collaborated with some of the finest Arsenal podcasts out there. None of this would have been possible without your fantastic support, and I'm truly humbled. But we're not stopping there. We're stepping things up a notch. This season, we're bringing you more shows, more special guests, more collaborations, more YouTube videos, a brand spanking new website, and lots of bonus content. With our audience continuously growing, the demand for insightful, informative, and up-to-date stuff is higher than ever, and so we'll be bringing a producer on board, recording our weekly show in a professional studio, and that is why we need your support. The show will always be free, and we intend to keep it that way, but if you like what you hear, you can become a patron for just $5 a month. Support us with our costs, and in our goal to produce content of the highest quality. Gain early access to our interviews and bonus content. Have your questions prioritized, and once you've been on board for three months, you'll receive a free gift to show our appreciation. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, TuneIn, and over at FNX. Subscribe, leave us a review, and spread the word. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. This is episode 21 and I'm your host, Harry Simiou. On this week's episode, we'll be dissecting our opening game of the season. A defeat, unfortunately, at the hands of the reigning champions, Manchester City. Joining me on the show will be filmmaker James Cook, who's made two fantastic films about Arsenal. The first one titled Arsenal FC, The Stagnating Giant, and the second and more recent one being A Catalyst for Change. You can hear more information on how you can check those out later on in the show when we speak to James. Right, I'm going to begin by sharing my thoughts on the Manchester City game. Um, I'm going to begin with Unai Emery's team selection because that is something that's got the Arsenal fan base talking and debating. Um, not always in the most respectful way, as you know, can happen with our particular fan base. Um, but anyway, let's move on to the team. So starting in goal was Petr Cech. Now, I'd said throughout the summer podcast that I expected Petr Cech to start the season as our number one. I thought he looked good in pre-season. Um, and so I won't be pointing any fingers at Unai Emery for selecting him. And despite his distribution being absolutely horrendous, um, the fact that he almost passed the ball into his own net, he did make a couple of decent saves, Petr Cech. So 
It wasn't all negatives on his part, if you ask me. I don't think the way we played particularly suited him, but I'll come on to the tactics in a minute. Now, if we move into the defence, Hector Bayerin started at right back. Sogradis and Mustafi were the centre-back pairing and Ainsley Maitland-Niles started the game at left-back. Now, in fairness to the youngster, He's rarely let us down. You know, he's been brilliant since he burst onto the scene. He's been asked to play out of position. He's never complained. He's just got on with it. You can see that this lad really loves the game and really wants to progress and he's, he's keen to do so and make his mark in the team, even if it means playing out of position um, from time to time. But I thought Manchester City just had too much for him. And I know he got injured fairly early on, but the truth is, you know, he looked out of his depth, in my opinion. Um, against Manchester City he was constantly isolated and I think that was again down to the tactics but again I don't want to get too deep into that because we're going to come on to that in just a moment into the midfield um, Gwenduzi was was given a starting place as was Granit Xhaka Mesa Ozil now on the graphics pre-game um, depending on where you looked I think in most places um, you know it looked as though Arsenal had lined up with a 4-2-3-1. But in my opinion, particularly in that first half, that was not the case. It was more of a 4-3-3. So you had the four-man defence and then you had Xhaka, Guendouzi and Ozil making up three. And then often Aaron Ramsey, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang were sort of playing as, as though they were a front three. Now, I understand the theory behind it. Um, press high up the pitch, put the defence under pressure, um, particularly against a team who we know love to play from the back and, and, and aren't going to compromise that style uh, for anyone or anything. So it makes sense. I can understand the thinking behind it, as I said, but I just feel that perhaps this wasn't the game uh, to be playing with such a high press. Another thing uh, I feel is worth calling out was the positioning of our back four throughout the game I felt that they were really really narrow and I know I've spoken in the preseason podcasts about this and, I, and I've called it up and I've said that we've seen it and it's obvious that that's something that Unai Emery believes in and in most cases I think it's the right way to go I've spoken about the Atletico Madrid model in the past which is very similar to what Emery looks to be trying to do in terms of where his back four are positioned However, when you do play like that, you end up allowing the opposition's wingers acres and acres of space. You know, they can pull wide, start from the touchline, receive the ball in acres of space and, and just turn and run in on you. And when they're as talented as Raheem Sterling or Riyad Mahrez, you're going to have problems no matter who you are. You, you're going to have trouble. It feels as though the system that Unai Emery started with on Sunday left our fullbacks a little too exposed for my liking. Um, and, and hopefully that's something, you know, he will he will pick up on and, and realise that needs addressing. I also don't feel the role that Mesut Ozil was given was the correct role for him. I feel as though he needs to be further up the pitch. He needs to be receiving the ball in dangerous areas. He was asked to defend far too much. And I know this was against Manchester City. I know everybody has to defend against Manchester City. It's all hands on deck, of course. But that role as part of a midfield three, it doesn't work for me. Ozil cannot play that role. He needs to be further forward where he's 
relieved of of most of his defensive responsibility. That's been my opinion on Mesut Ozil from the day he joined Arsenal Football Club. And it's frustrating to see him deployed in a position that, you know, you and I could see he wasn't going to perform in. A lot has been said regarding Matteo Guendouzi's performance on Sunday. Now, I felt the young man gave a fairly good account of himself despite making a few silly errors, particularly the one where he misjudged that ball and, and it ended up in Sergio Aguero going through on goal and, and almost sort of adding another goal for City. I think it was 1-0 at the time. Um, but having said all of that, there's no question this kid is talented. He's fearless. He wants to be involved. He doesn't shy away from any responsibility. Um, and so, you know, there are encouraging signs, no doubt about that. Matteo Guendouzi has talent. There's no question about that. Maturity, though, that's not quite there. But I guess how do you get that if you don't play games? So I guess we've got to be a little bit patient with him um, and see how he progresses. So as you can tell, I've got a load of thoughts about Sunday's game, you know, um, confused about a lot of things. Um, it opened my eyes to perhaps the way Unai Emery would like to see us play going forward. It gave us a better indication of that because preseason is mix and match after all and it's very difficult to make any concrete judgments based on that. So, yeah, you know, let's see how it goes. It's also difficult to make concrete judgments, though, when you're playing against the best team in the country and possibly in Europe. Uh, so it's important not to jump to too many conclusions, not to get on people's backs too early on. Let's see how it goes. Um, it's early days still. The only thing I know for certain after watching Sunday's game is that Stefan Licksteiner has to start for Arsenal Football Club. He just has to. He came on uh, after Ainsley Maitland-Niles was unfortunately taken off injured. He showed aggression, tenacity, energy to get up and down the pitch and the kind of bite that, you know, us as Arsenal fans, we haven't seen for quite some time now. So I'm really happy with that acquisition. And I think a lot of people were sceptical because of his age. But at this point in time, from what I'm seeing, Stefan Lichtsteiner looks as fit as anybody. So those are most of my thoughts on the Manchester City defeat. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll be talking to Arsenal filmmaker James Cook and getting his take on the weekend's defeat. The Chronicles of Aguna 2017-18 is now on sale. The Chronicles of Aguna tells the story of Arsenal's final season through a supporter's eyes, attempts to shed light on some of the season's major talking points and features exclusive interviews with Ray Parler, Kevin Campbell, Tom Watt and Robbie Lyle. Available to order now from Amazon, Waterstones and all major bookstores, The Chronicles of Aguna 2017-18. Order your copy now by clicking the link in the description. Joining me on the line, the brilliant James Cook. James, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? It's been a long time since we last spoke. No worries, mate. Thanks a million for having me on. Really looking forward to uh, talking Arsenal with you today. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, James, I understand you were at the game on Sunday. Is that right? I was indeed. James, what did you make of the team selection? Did you agree with it? Um, because it's something that has divided a lot of Arsenal fans uh, over the last couple of days, uh, did you agree with Unai Emery's initial selection? 
I think the back four was pretty much exactly what we expected it to be. In goal, I mean, I said before the game, I wanted to see Petr Cech start, and I thought for the most part, the saves he made in terms of actually doing what a goalkeeper is meant to do, fantastic. But if we're going to be playing this style of football where we want to play out from the back, I don't know really enough about Leno to say he's this great guy that should come in straight away. Um, I know there are certain more educated Arsenal fans out there that know more about this guy, but I would be interested to see him come in at some point. I don't know if Chelsea's the right game to do this in, but if we are going to play that style of football and if he is better with his feet, they could see him come in. Uh, regarding the rest of the team, the midfield looks promising. Um, Guendouzi, Ramsey and Jacker in the midfield looks looks solid. It looks exciting. Obviously, seeing Guendouzi come in, um, I said a few weeks ago, given his performances in pre-season, I'd have no doubts in starting him. Um, taking a little bit more time to reflect on that. I'm not sure if it was the right call. It was a very, very tough game to throw a rookie 19-year-old into, given that he's just come in from League Two from Lorient. Um, but I thought he made a great account of himself, and I think he's you know earned a start in that game against Chelsea. He's got to get those little errors out of his game, but the same goes for quite a few players in this team, Granit Xhaka being another one in the midfield. The one area where I think we were really let down is up top. Mkhitaryan and Ozil on the wings is just... No pace there at all. No pace whatsoever. Um, and we saw a couple of seasons ago, I think it was 2014-15, we saw that Ozil played out on the flank and it just doesn't really work. Um, I think maybe when we're playing a more fluid 4-3-3 and we've got a Bamiyang, Ozil and Lacazette up top, I think we really miss Lacazette in this game. Those three can interchange better and maybe we'll see a bit more from Ozil on the flank. But for me, it didn't work. Um, it was too a bit too narrow. It was lacking in pace. If you look at how good City and Liverpool are, the reason that they do so well is because they've got such dynamic, such pacey, such powerful wingers. And at Arsenal, apart from Reese Nelson, we've just not got it at the minute. Yeah, no, I completely agree with with most of what you said there. Um, the thing about Pedacek and, and Bern Leno, I think you were absolutely spot on. It's all well and good calling for Bern Leno to start, but in reality, how much do any of us know about Bern Leno? Not much. I doubt there are many Arsenal fans that are regular Bundesliga viewers. And, and even still, when you read the reviews on Bern Leno um, from his time in Germany, they are they are mixed. So, you know, as I said earlier on in the show, I won't be pointing the finger at Unai Emery for starting Pedacek. The only thing I, I wanted to say, I, I thought watching it, particularly in the first half, that the system and the, the team wasn't as the graphics showed it before the match. It looked to me as though it was a rigid 4-3-3 as opposed to the 4-2-3-1 we were led to believe it was. Um, it looked as though Ozil was part of that three in the middle and, and for me that didn't work. But, um, so... You know, because Ramsey seemed to be prepping the centre-halves all the time, didn't he? And it just, I don't know. What about the Ramsey thing? Because for me, a player who's yet to commit his future to the club, there is an argument that he shouldn't have started on Sunday. Would you agree with that or, or would you have played him? Uh, definitely, I would have played him. He's one of our most important players. And I know that he certainly got mixed reviews after the game. And there were areas of his game that he needs to improve on. But that goes for each and every single player. We're all adapting to this new system. It's it's a pressing game that hasn't really been implemented at Arsenal ever under Arsene Wenger. So it's certainly new and exciting to see. And given that Aaron Ramsey, we all know what a fantastic engine he's got. It's obvious that Emery wants to implement him as that spearhead going forward to lead the attack. So I'm really excited to see him in that sense. I do think he needs to know and when to judge how to time his runs because I do think he is 
maybe a little bit too quick to make that press each and every single time. He needs to conserve himself a little bit more. And maybe that's why he went off five minutes into the second half. But for the most part, he's one of our most pivotal midfield players. Um, it, you know, I don't really buy into the argument that he shouldn't be starting games because he hasn't penned a contract. If they, if you've got these players at the club, if they're your best players, it's not quite the same as the Alexis Sanchez situation. Um, Ramsey's a far more lovable player, I think. Um, and, and I mean, it, we did the same as Ozil last year. I'm, I'm confident that Ramsey's going to sign on. Uh, the signs seem to be going that way. And I think if we are going to play this pressing game, then he's uh, an essential component to that. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. That's, that's completely fair. I guess sometimes I let my emotion get the better of my my judgment when it comes to things like that. But I just feel, feel as though this deal should have been done and dusted by now. And it, the longer it drags on, the more uncertainty it causes. And of course, there are going to be headlines when Ramsey gets hooked off five minutes into the second half like he did at a weekend. So, you know, it's just unnecessary speculation that we don't need around the club, in my view. Um, which areas did you feel need tweaking then? Because going into the Chelsea game next week, that's another, another huge game, another tough test away from home. Maurizio Sarri loves a, a pressing game himself. Um, so, would you make any changes to the selection? Would it be as you were if you were in charge or, or what do you think? I think regarding the team lineup, just putting that aside for one second, uh, the pressing game is certainly something that evidently needs work. And I'm not sure if this game against Chelsea is the best game to try it again. I think playing City at home and trying to do it there was a mistake. And I think that ultimately cost us the game. All you've got to do is look at City's second goal. We're the ones that are pressing, but they're the ones that come away with the goal at the end of it. So that's something that I think we need to be a little bit more conservative about. Our best performances in the past under Arsene Wenger, of course, are under new management now. But if you do look back to that game against Manchester City a few years ago, where we were a bit more conservative, we let them press against us. If we can soak up that pressure and then go at them with the pace that we've got going forward well the lack of pace should I say um, but the dynamic plays we've got going forward if we can create those spaces if we can create the opportunities we have got one very pacey player in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and if we've got Lacazette on the pitch too you know we can create spaces we can create goals and opportunities it's just a case of knowing when to press we were doing it too much against City and if we sort it out I think we'll be okay in terms of the team lineup I would be I'd be very tempted to drop Granit Xhaka. Um, I really like the guy and I want him to come good. And I think he will come good this season. I've got a lot of hope um, that he will, but he just gives the ball away too much in dangerous positions. And I would probably be more inclined to play Guendouzi with Torreira in the sort of midfield two with Aaron Ramsey ahead of them. And then of course I'd be looking to bring in Lacazette. So I have a front three of Ozil, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang. It's just a bit more creative, a bit more pacey going forward. And we looked uh, we looked exceptional when Lacazette came on at the weekend. So it's a no-brainer for me. And that midfield with Torreira coming in, I think that can be a very exciting front six, potentially. Uh, it's just a defence, of course, that worries me again. But the defence at the weekend was nowhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Socrates, I'm, I'm still umming and ahhing about. But Mustafi, I thought, had a very good game. Uh, Bellerin, I think he's showing signs of improvement. Lichsteiner, he looked good at left back. Um, of course, I don't want to see him playing there regularly. I'd rather have Monreal come in personally, but it's good to see the defence not look quite as shaky as uh, I think some are making it out to be. Yeah, that's it. It's all about laying the foundations, isn't it? And hopefully Emery can do that. Hopefully we can have a settled back four once people um, come back to fitness and, and we can kick on. I mean, James, I know it's really early days, but you know, I don't think we've spoken since Emery's appointment. What, what are your personal hopes for this coming season? Where do you think Arsenal can finish? What's got to be the aim? The aim has got to be getting back into the top four. 
Um, and after so many years of saying we're not satisfied with top four, we want to compete for the league, it seems mental to me that we're saying that. But I think a lot of fans have succumbed to the realisation now that this is where we are as a club. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that so long as we can get back to where we belong. And I think we're going in the right way about doing that. As you say, we're setting the foundations of the club. We're implementing this pressing game, a style that hasn't been... Uh, used with these Arsenal players before it's it's going to take time it's going to take a season or two of course my expectation my hope is to see Arsenal finish in the top four but along with that I want to see more youth players come in I want to see better performances against the big teams and I want to see a style of play that I can really buy into as I say that's going to take time um, but I want to see Aaron Ramsey pen down as well that's another big 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 uh, thing that's got to happen sooner rather than later but for me, if we can get some silverware, whether it be the League Cup or the FA Cup, if we can have a good run in the Europa League, obviously winning that would be great as well because that's another route into the Champions League. But top four, putting in good performances against the big teams and going away from home and feeling confident because we really we didn't have that at all last season. And um, I just want to enjoy watching the Arsenal again, you know, and hopefully that will uh, see us finish in the top four. That's right. Fingers crossed we will see the best of Arsenal back again or at least somewhere in the right direction anyway. Um, James, I mentioned at the top of the show your two brilliant Arsenal documentaries. Do you want to tell our listeners how they can find them and how they can follow you on social media? And I know you've got a YouTube account of your own, haven't you? I do, yeah. Trying to get back into this season. I'm not going to hold my breath just yet, but I really do want to get back into talking about Arsenal this season whilst I've got the free time having come out of university. It'll be good to get that back on um, back on the bandwagon. So yeah, if you want to check out my YouTube channel where you can catch me making all sorts of Arsenal content, it's uh, AFC Game by Game on YouTube, on Twitter at jcook 96 And as uh, Harry mentioned there, got all my documentaries on there. Well, all, all two of them. But um, if you want to go check them out, quite an interesting insight into the Arsenal Wenger era. Yeah, they're brilliant. I have to say, I've watched them both, I think, twice. Excellent stuff. Cheers, and mate. when Thank you me. came onto the same old Arsenal podcast uh, with us, we really enjoyed talking about them and, of course, watching them beforehand. Um, James, thank you very much. And uh, we'll speak again soon. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. Now, former Arsenal captain Tony Adams has had plenty of things to say after Arsenal's opening day defeat at the hands of Manchester City. I'm going to play you a little clip of exactly what he said and then we're going to discuss. I actually thought it was the same kind of performance as well, to be honest with you. I was a little bit dis- deflated and, uh, and disappointed. You know, we don't want to run too early, you know, but... but for me, I, I, coming from Arsenal, who always played open, attacking football, you know, play, play free, go, go for it. But I just wanted a new manager to come in there and tighten things up. We've been for the last 10 years now, leaking goals, you know, soft away from home. I wanted him to put his new goalkeeper in, work with his back four, have two screen central midfield players and keep a clean sheet. You know, he's crying out for it. And I didn't see that yesterday. And I, I, I feel a little bit um, that he got a lot of selections wrong, actually. Um, his three best players would be subs <laughs> that, that came on. I don't know why he didn't start with them. I just don't understand. That's what I would have done. I would have put a back four in place and worked with him all pre-season. He's been rotating, holding for me. Um, he's a central defender. Yeah, so I was just left a little bit kind of, come on, let's get on with it. You know, we're, we're, Arsenal's moved on and we need to, need to put his style onto the club. And I thought he had an opportunity to do it, but he didn't for me. 
So it's safe to say Tony Adams not impressed by Unai Emery's selection or his tactics. Well, I'll tell you what I'm not impressed with. The signal in Tony Adams' area is absolutely appalling. I can't believe it was allowed on national radio with such a poor, um, poor sound. But there you go. Anything to get a story, eh? Um, I get what Tony's saying in some senses. I understand that a lot of fans wanted to see Arsenal uh, change under Emery in the sense that we would become a lot more defensively resilient. The first signs are that that hasn't happened. So you can understand why some people are frustrated and I get all that. But guys, this is our first game of the season, our first competitive match under Unai Emery. He's got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn about his philosophy, his style of play. This is something new to us, new to him, new to everybody, new to English football in a sense, because the last time Arsene Wenger wasn't in charge of the Arsenal in a Premier League game was back in September 1996. Miracles aren't going to happen overnight. Yeah, it's going to take time. Let's be patient. Let's support the manager. In time, I'm confident he'll work out who his best team is, what his best system is. Um, he's quite clearly got a philosophy and, and I guess we have to give him a chance to fail at least before we get on his back. Going back to Tony Adams' comments just briefly before we move on, you know, I, I don't want to criticise Tony Adams because as a player, I absolutely adored him and I still do and he's a, a huge part of Arsenal Football Club's history but it just feels as though he comes out of the woodwork whenever he's got something going on, like a book release or something like that. And I know he's, for a fact, he's doing promotional work uh, on his latest book at the moment because the uh, the uh, softback edition is now out on the market. So it just feels like Tony Adams just pops up and pokes his nose in here and there. Uh, whenever it's a good time for him from a personal point of view. And I don't like that. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna. Slightly shorter episode than usual, but we'll be back on Thursday with a preview for the Chelsea game. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course on Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. Until next time, ciao.